We're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. We're the backbone of the state of Texas. Creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. I'm Wade Howard, joined by my co-host, Dan Sell. Thanks for joining us this week. Dan, where are we headed? Well, Wade, we're headed to the Rio Grande Valley with Michelle Martin, where he uh, discussed uh, her magazine called AgMag and the importance of sharing stories of farmers and ranchers. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Dan, yourself? Doing well, doing well. Excited for this uh, recording here with Michelle Martin, that's for sure. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Michelle, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, Dan, you should be excited because there's a lot to tell about myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, which is at the very southern tip of Texas. And so whenever people ask me where that is, I basically just say South Padre Island. And I'm so close to the Mexican border that I can walk over if I'd like to about seven miles. So that's where I'm from and born and raised here, went off to college at Texas A&M, swore I'd never move back here. And lo and behold, here I am. Well, interesting. Uh, Michelle, we're going to start right off the bat. The reason I, I first followed you on Instagram is, is you have a magazine called AgMag. Uh, explain how you how you go about doing that and how it works for you and, and where that all came from. Okay. So I hope you have your popcorn ready because it's quite a story. Go for Uh, it. After I graduated college, I obviously moved back down to the valley. My husband had gotten a job with Helena and he had the opportunity to farm some land here. And so I moved down here and I had several jobs, all of which I just never was really happy at. And the job, the last job that I had, I was there for three years and I prayed and prayed for God to get me out of the situation. And I mean, every day was just so, so strenuous for me to even step foot in there. And one day the idea for the magazine popped in my head and I called my husband and I said, do they have a farming magazine in our area? And he said, they used to, but they don't anymore. And so I said, well, good, they do today. And so I went in and quit my job that day, that second with $200 in my bank account and came home to a not so happy husband. But uh, I knew that God was giving me, you know, it was a leap of faith and it was his idea. And so basically what I did was I made a fake magazine. So I just went on Google, printed out a couple articles and then sent this whole file off to uh, a printing company and made them print me a fake magazine. And so I walked around or drove around to all the ad people here that are involved in ag, like your John Deere's, your case, et cetera. And I said, this is my idea. I want you to invest in me and believe in me. I'm going to make it happen. And I started off with four advertisers, my very first magazine. And seven years later, I now have about 50. And so my magazine pretty much covers all aspects of agriculture, from the farmer to the rancher to the 4-H, FFA. We talk citrus. Uh, Farmville, you know, there is politics, there's legal stuff in there. There's just all different facets of ag. And so that's kind of how I got started. Michelle, I, I did some some research is what I'd call it, looking at your, your AgMag website and stuff. Um, you've, you've covered a lot of interesting stories about a lot of great people. Um, I'd, I'd ask you to name your favorite story, but I think that'd be unfair um, to you. Um, so I'm going to ask, what is your most memorable story um, that you had the opportunity to be a part of? 
Oh, that's still not a fair question because they're all so memorable. Um, you know, when I first started the magazine, I never expected to meet such amazing people. There's just so every every person has just such a unique story and how they contribute to agriculture. And, you know, it'd be really hard to narrow it down because every single one that I've met has really become like family to me. Um, I think one that's really interesting would probably be um, the Martinez's. They have a Wagyu beef operation or Akaushi is the term they use. And so to see their whole operation and to see them flourish despite the uh, trials they had, they lost a son at three years old or when he was three. And just to see how they overcame that and have flourished and made this huge successful business, that was that was pretty amazing. I've, I'm familiar with the two F, yeah. um, uh, Akushi, and, and I mean they they're some they look like great people on social media. It's it's pretty cool that you've got to meet them up close to personal and, and feature them in a story. Um, you mentioned you mentioned the leap of faith you took when you wanted to start the magazine. Um, how do you how do you keep keep going on that on that leap of faith every day um, in a world where where maybe print media um, isn't as strong as it used to be? Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, when I started my magazine, print was already dying, and so I think that I found just like a little niche. And so my magazine originally started for local for this area. And as the years went by, you know, I've kind of expanded farther and farther up Texas. And I've kind of implemented into my website where you can subscribe digitally. And so it has the opportunity to reach more people. So yeah, print's dying. But at the same time, we still read things and articles all the time on the internet. And so I've made my magazine available that way. And as far as a leap of faith, every day that I wake up, I just know that I'm doing something that I love. And I feel that if you love what you do, you're going to make it work despite the obstacles. Every job has trials and tribulations. You know, you just, you may do with what you have. And uh, we are definitely in a, you know, a competitive world when it comes to social media. And I just started my Instagram, I want to say five or six months ago. And I think, Dan, I think you were one of the first ones I followed. My husband told me to follow you. And I remember he follows asking. Me. <laughs> yeah. And Dan's head gets even you follow my husband <laughs> i do i'm sorry i can't keep track i feel bad um, now i forget when you, when you're a celebrity it's hard to keep track of everyone you I guess. know it you know it <laughs> well you're on the social media side of that and i see you do you do do a lot of uh oh what's the word advocating if you will on social media side is that how you're able to get such interesting articles uh, and people on your magazine, such as <clears throat> Farmer Dan uh, and other things? Or is there other routes to be able to get people in the magazine like you do? Well, you know, when I first started my magazine, I didn't really have an Instagram. I was more of a Facebook person. And so really, it's just through getting out in the community. And I would attend, you know, like field days that they had or uh, farm shows any event that they had that was agriculture based, I kind of put myself out there and handed out the magazine and I kind of connected through, through that way. And that's how I found a lot of my writers. And now it seems that a lot of people will just email me wanting to, you know, add, or to write articles in my magazine. And then as far as social media, now I've seen that as a platform that I can, I have the opportunity to expand because there's more people and more people that I can reach and that have a story to be told, such as yourself. 
Interesting. Well, I was just curious because it does seem like you're on the uh, social media quite a bit, and I see you uh, doing pretty cool things, such as as going to a sugarcane harvest and and other things like that. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's very interesting how you're able to get in the in the I guess in the dirt almost with everything that goes on there, and it's it's interesting from my side to see how different farms do things and especially just in the state of texas my gosh you talk about a big state and there's so many different variances uh what do y'all y'all farm down there in the rio grande valley uh i'm gonna go off tangent here but i'd really like to know what all you y'all like y'all grow on your farm sure so the rio grande valley is really diverse and we have the opportunity to grow a lot because of our climate so it's really warm here as you can tell, if you follow me on social media, I'm always complaining that it's like 90 degrees year round. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's great because we are able, we don't necessarily just have a planting and harvest season. It's, it feels like we're planting, harvesting, planting, harvesting. Um, we grow on our farm uh, dill. We grow corn. We grow cilantro. Uh, we've also grown, I put it on my um my social media today is something called methi leaf, which is like an Indian herb. Uh, kohlrabi. We grow uh, cabbage. There's just, you name it, we probably grow it. Uh, and it's not necessarily just our farm too. There is a good friend of ours and my husband and him kind of farm together. Uh, they have a block of land and they they kind of partnered up. And he's a really large vegetable farmer. And so we've had the opportunity to learn how to grow all different types of crops. Uh, like I said, kohlrabi, I, I learned that the other day. I had no clue what it was, but we were growing it. Uh, also, we grow beets. We grow table beets, not sugar beets. So cotton and grain. That's a bunch. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start keeping a running total of all the different um all the different commodities and crops that all of our guest hosts grow. Cause I think right now we're, we're probably well over 50. Don't you think yeah. between the people we've talked to already? Oh um, yeah, for sure. And it's it, literally everything under the sun you can think of. Uh, M- you want to something interesting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, we love interesting things. Okay. <laughs> um, so the farmer that lives across the street from me, he actually grows for uh, Lay's potato chips or Frito-Lay. And so he grows potatoes for them. And then at the same time, he also grows carrots for Gerber. And I mean, I can walk to his house and I take my son there all the time. It's just the valley is so diverse. And there's, I think we grow over, I want to say 40 or 50 different types of just vegetables. Wow. That's that's interesting. I've seen you talk about Lay's, your, your neighbor having uh, like direct input on are exporting on Lay's chips. I don't know. Wait, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that just, that gets me going. Cause that's pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned the, the wide variety of stuff that's grown down there and that it's being warm helps with that. What other factors go into, into being able to grow such a diverse um, set of commodities on, on one piece of land? Well, it's really, our soil is pretty special here back in the day. Um, and I, I've learned this myself uh, through the magazine is and also through my tv show which i'm sure we'll get into later but our soil is really rich in nutrients down here we have all different types of soil so we don't just have sandy you know we have clay sandy loam we have it all and uh this place used to be called the magic valley so a lot of people from up north would move down here 
in order to start farming because it there everything would just flourish. It was the perfect climate. Uh, unfortunately, right now we're in a drought. But like I said, the climate and the ground is just, it's really pristine. So are y'all irrigation or any kind of irrigated down there? Or is it all just dry land? So we actually have both. There are certain farmers who are irrigated, and then there's one area that is absolutely dry land. And that's pretty sandy soil down there, isn't it? It just depends on where you are. I mean, like I said, we have all different types. So it just really depends on what area you're in. The valley is really, it's really hard to explain because um, the valley, so there's different cities. You know, you have your McAllen, your Edinburgh, and, but all the cities kind of run together. They're all connected by one highway. And at one second, you're in one city, and then two seconds later, you're in another. So they really just all run together. And it's really hard to explain. You kind of have to see it for yourself. But just depending on what area you're in just really determines the type of soil that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, you, you mentioned you have a TV show as well in addition to the magazine. T- tell us a little <laughs> bit about that venture. Sure. So, well, I'm an only child and my mother owned a restaurant for 27 years. And so I've kind of been raised to work for what you have. And so after having the magazine for nearly seven years, I kind of found myself twiddling my fingers and wanting to do more. So one day as I was driving down the highway, I said, hey, I should just start doing like uh, three to four minute videos on Facebook or Instagram, like meet your local farmer. And uh, from there, it kind of just spiraled into being on our local ABC channel. And from there, RFD picked it up. They found me on Instagram and they air clips, not the whole episode, but they'll air clips from my show. And so my show is called Ag on Wheels. And basically, I like to compare it to micro dirty jobs. You know, we cover, again, all facets of agriculture. And we just get down and show people how their food gets on their table, whether it be, you know, a vegetable or it be a rancher. All different types of agriculture is what we're covering. So so how do you get involved with, like, different things? You've got cameras. I mean, I've seen some of your... Uh, Instagram posts of all the equipment that y'all have there. What kind of crew do you have to be able to continue with this ag on wheels deal? It seems like it's a, it's a very well thought out and well planned uh, show. And it seems like it, there's a lot of effort put into it. So what all goes and goes with that? Well, it's not well thought out because I like to fly by the seam of my pants. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, it seems well thought out from the screen. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So basically when we show up, we just kind of go with the flow. But, uh, so I had a friend and he's a photographer and a videographer. And so, like I said, I had called him that day when I was driving down the highway and ran it past him. And it is, he is the main producer and he's young. He's probably about your age, Dan. What are you like 24? 22. Oh, Lord, you're young. Yeah, well, yeah I'm young. Farmer Dan, 97. That young age. And so uh, it's him and then two other guys. And so there's just a crew of three and then me. So really, there's there's four of us. Mm-hmm. I got and they you. do all the editing. They do everything. I'm just, I'm there to have a good time and to learn and to educate other people. They do all the back work for me. I get you. Well, that's interesting. Uh Quick question. If you could go back to, say, 15-year-old Michelle uh, from where you are now and seeing if, as you didn't really want to come back to where you grew up and all these things, things, and you've even started a, 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 machi- a magazine 
you've got a, a YouTube show going on, you've got a ton of things that involve ag and the media side of that. What what would you say to your 15-year-old self if you could go back? <sighs> go back home. <laughs> Listen to God's plan. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't I don't know what I would tell myself, Dan. I, I'm kind of thankful for everything that, you know, I went through because I don't think that if I if I hadn't gone through what I did or had the mentality that I did, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Maybe just to keep going because life gets tough. You know, I, I faced a lot of trials uh, to get where I am today. And unfortunately my mother passed when I was pregnant with my son. And there was a lot of factors that I could have just stopped, but my love for agriculture just kept me going. And so I would probably just tell myself to keep going that life's hard, get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. It is hard. I I spent some time on your YouTube channel earlier today, and there's some really, really interesting videos on there, and and you cover some very interesting topics from from the laced potato chips, like you mentioned earlier, to a a spray pilot. Um, How how do you go about getting those farmers to to think, um, and I've I've talked to Dan about this earlier, that, that it's okay to have somebody with a camera come onto your farm and share their story. Well, you know, with the magazine and I'm so thankful for the magazine because it gave me such a platform to build these connections and to build these friendships. And they're much more than friendships. You know, all these people that I have connected with through the magazine have become my family. And so I think there's that, that underlying trust there that they know that I'm not going to exploit them. I'm not going to, you know, to give them bad press because I feel that agriculture gets that already. And I think I've established that through my magazine because my magazine, you know, it is giving the farmers back their voice. And uh, that's basically what I wanted to carry on to the show and just get more eyes on it because like you said, print is dying. So TV is another form or YouTube is another form for people to get their eyes on what is really happening in agriculture. And with the social media driven world, there's just so much misinformation out there. And I think that the everyone involved in agriculture or most people involved in agriculture, they're ready to to tell it like it is that it's not bad. We're here to help and to feed America. And so I think that also helps whenever I'm going there and I want to to allow them to tell their story because everyone has a story to be told. Yeah. I, I agree w- with you so har- wholeheartedly there. Uh, it is difficult to uh, find a platform. And I'm with Wade. I can see uh, my dad personally just having a hard time with having someone w- with a camera following, following him around, even if it's all for a good cause. There's still that, you know, uh, Uncle Sam's watching you kind of mentality that his generation has that <laughs> mine doesn't because of social media. But it is interesting from that side seeing that, yeah, you've got a, a, a big platform there and you use it to such great capability. And as a farmer, that's a little bit into social media. I mean, it's it's interesting to see your side and how well you do with that. So I commend you on that. Well, thanks. And, you know, it, like, for example, whenever I went out and did the show for 2F, for the Akurushi Beef, I mean, they were really nervous. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, I like to be myself and... You know, Dan, you follow me on social media. I'm sarcastic. I'm witty. And I, I'm, I try not to, I'm not fake. I'm just, I'm tell it like it is kind of girl. And, you know, there's, the, they have the opportunity to edit. Like y'all have the opportunity to edit this podcast. And 
I just try to make them feel as comfortable as they can and just to remind them like, hey, we're here to tell your story in the good parts of your life. You know, we're here to show the world that you're working hard for the benefit of others. We're not just here to, to toot your own horn. You know what I'm saying? And so I think just um, allowing them to feel comfortable and to feel vulnerable. And as we throughout the day, whenever we're filming a typical show. So my show is 30 minutes long and a typical show. It takes about six hours to film. And so as the day progresses, they, they tend to, to let loose and see that I'm just a normal person, you know, just because the cameras are here doesn't, doesn't mean anything. And by the time the day is done, they forget the cameras are even there. And so I, I think it's really interesting. Um, I just think that we're in a time now where farmers, ha- they have to tell their story. I mean, we have to. Agriculture yeah. is, you know, it's not what it used to be years back. And so I want to give them the opportunity to do that. And I want to clear up all the misconceptions because as a farming family ourselves, I know how hard it is to hear that negativity. Right. For sure. I totally understand that. Um, Good deal. Michelle, I know, I know you and your husband are very active in the community. Um, tell us about some of the boards y'all sit on and, and why you put such a value on, on serving the, in the agricultural community on a local level. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I started my magazine, I found it a great opportunity for for me to give back to a community that's given me so much because the agricultural community is constantly giving, you know, to 4-H, FFA and to giving whenever they can. And essentially they give to America every day, right? By growing their food and raising their meat and et cetera. And so uh, I said at a time, not so much anymore, I've kind of pulled back since I've had a son. But uh, at a time, I was sitting on 10 boards and all ag based, all giving back to kids and to the community. And I actually sit on our livestock show board as their advisory committee. And so we kind of help implement new ideas into making the show better. Um, I sit on a star gala board, which is a they have a show and then they also have a live auction and silent auction and a dinner where the 4-H and FFA kids from the county come and serve. Um, you know, a steak dinner, and it's just a good time. I sit on a redfish rodeo board, which is a fishing tournament, and all proceeds go to give scholarships to the kids. And so my husband and I just find it uh, just a way to give back because people have given us so much. And especially whenever my mom passed away, uh, people that I didn't even really have a connection with or a friendship with were coming to our house and dropping stuff off. And, you know, whenever my son was born, the same thing. And so it's just our way to give back and to say thank you. And we want to make uh, the future of our future kids who are going to be involved in agriculture, we want them to learn those morals that it's always about giving back and not just giving to yourself. Michelle, I, I grew up in the livestock industry. We showed some sheep and raised some. What what makes the, the Rio Grande Valley livestock so show, so unique? I know I've got friends that, that grew up showing at that deal and, and they just said, Mike, this is there's, there's major shows across Texas, but, but that is the show that they were going to win one. That's the one they wanted to win. Uh, what makes that show so unique for the youth of South Texas? You know, that's a great question. I think it's just the camaraderie uh, of the show itself. It's just, everyone is, yes, it's competitive, but it's not to, it's not competitive to a point where it's disheartening or uh, it's not fun. And so I think it's just a overall fun show and, you know, it's really well ran. And like I said, I think it's just the camaraderie. There's something special about the Rio Grande Valley. 
And uh, I think it, it kind of just speaks for itself. We have concerts and, of course, the carnival. And when you get to Houston and you get to Austin and, or Dallas, those are huge. You know, that, those are huge areas. Those are mm-hmm. huge livestock shows. Here, it's smaller. Yeah, Michelle. I mean, I've never been to uh, any livestock show, but mainly just uh, the ones here at the local. And then I think Elise dragged me to the, uh, what's the big one in Dallas area or whatever, is it like Fort Worth Talk Show or something like yeah, that? The, yeah, the, the legendary Fort Worth Talk Show and Rodeo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, animals, man, you're educated. Yeah, I'm educated. Animals are fun, and I've never really liked them. But since I've uh, had the nine months of great experience with animals and goats and stuff, I have found out that they do have a certain sense of humor with animals as well. But you know, it's it's interesting because agriculture for me is literally farming. But for most people, there's there's a whole different dynamic of agriculture because you've got livestock, you've got total different deal. And so it's interesting that that you're on the boards there, that you're there to to give back or to to recognize those who are literally donating a lot of time and, and money and effort into what keeps this this country going, if you ask me, especially with 4-H and FFA. There's just so many things there that that help for our future generations to be able to see the, the the importance of agriculture as a whole. And so it's interesting to me that you are on so many different boards. And I like that livestock boards and all that. It's, it's just something that I don't think about regularly, to be honest. And so I don't know, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around agriculture yeah. other than just farming. <laughs> well, we also, we've all seen the way you check crops by running and digging yeah. your face into the ground. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me. You don't know much about forage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's but, all good. Uh, I, would, I, I actually I would. didn't show animals when I was, you know, in high school, I didn't show animals. I was an athlete. And, uh, so to be able to do it now and, you know, I definitely want my son to be involved because I've seen the impact and the structure and the morals that it sets up for the kids. They definitely won't be running their face into the ground when they're older to check crops. But <laughs> Michelle, you, you sure about a, that? If you need a segment for your show, you could take Dan across the world and have him check different things, like have him check cows, how he checks his wheat. That could be fun to watch. To see him run into a, a, run into a herd a of upset corgany heifers and and check them that way. <laughs> I think what I a just, great idea. So, Michelle, on your Instagram, on social media, you do try to cover quite a bit each day with different crops, especially your stories. Your stories are very interesting. Explain a little bit about that and why you do, I I think it's like a crop each day, isn't it? Almost, yeah. So, if I'm not filming, um, pretty much I call my husband and I'll be like, where are you at? What are you checking? And I'll go down there and meet him and uh, or I'll call some of the farmers and I'll just go over there. But whenever I originally started my Instagram, I kind of wanted it to focus just on my show. And, you know, we don't film every day. So that kind of was like, "Mm." I had to kind of think about what am I going to do now? And I said, well, let me just show the world what we have down here uh, because we have so much. And so every day I do try to show a different crop and I try to show something that not a lot of people know about. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, kohlrabi or messy leaf or um, cilantro, dill, there's all these little parsley. I mean, the littlest things that, you know, are just used as garnishes here and there, we grow. And uh, who knew that there was a candy cane beet, you know, a golden beet. 
uh, sugar beet, table beet. There's just so much down here. And so, yeah, I try to show all that and show the whole process of from the field to the packing house to the grocery store. Because we have quite a few packing houses down here as well. That is interesting. I, I enjoy watching your stories about different things because I don't honestly know a whole lot about the different things that y'all grow over there. In closing, Michelle, uh, if you had some things to say to our audience about your yourself or maybe your social media or everything in between, uh, what would you want to leave as, as a message for those who might be listening? Um, I just think that the world of agriculture is such an amazing place. And uh, I think that the whole world just really needs to know what we're about. And I'm all about sharing that message. And I try to do it in a fun way through my social media and my show. And there's just so many stories to be told. And so agriculture can be really fun. It's trying. It's difficult. But in the end, it's worth it because we're growing America. And I want America to see just how we're doing that. And God bless everyone. Awesome. That is great. Michelle, thanks for hopping on for it with us uh, today. Uh, if you want it, Michelle's uh, social media links or links to her website, uh, they're in the show notes. Be sure and check those out and support everything she's got going for. Her. Uh, Michelle, thanks again. Dan, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.